Book One, Chapter Five of A Family of Noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book One, The Family Council, Chapter Five the brothers departed and the manor house of golovliovo was deserted with renewed energy arina petrovna took up her work again the clatter of the knives in the kitchen ceased but activities in office storehouses cellars were redoubled summer the great provider was nearly over preserving canning pickling storing were in full swing winter provisions flowed in from all quarters dried mushrooms berries eggs vegetables this requisition in kind imposed upon the peasant women came in wagons from all the various family estates everything was measured and added to the stores of former years not in vain had the lady of golovliovo had a long row of cellars storehouses and granaries built they were full to the brim quite a good deal of damaged material was along with the rest and smelt foully at the end of summer the stuff was all sorted and what was suspicious was sent to the servants quarters the pickles are still in good condition only the skin is coming off in some places and they smell a little well let the servants enjoy a dainty bit arina petrovna would say pointing out the barrels to be put aside stepan vladimirych adapted himself admirably to his new condition at times he felt a strong craving to get drunk as a piper he had money for the purpose as we shall see later but he restrained himself stoically as if considering that the time had not yet arrived he was always busy now for he took a lively part in the provisioning rejoicing in its successes and regretting its failures in a wholly disinterested manner in a sort of ecstasy hatless clad in his dressing-gown he scurried from the office to the cellars hiding from his mother behind trees and various small buildings that crowded the courtyard arina petrovna noticed him in this garb many times and felt an itching in her motherly heart to give simple simon a severe scolding but on second thought she left him alone in his escapades in the cellars stepan vladimirych with feverish impatience watched how the carts were unloaded how jars barrels and tubs were brought in from the estate and everything was assorted and finally sent off into the yawning abyss of cellars and storehouses he felt satisfied in most instances Today two wagons of mushrooms came from dobrovino ripping fine mushrooms brother he informed the village clerk rapturously and we were afraid we should have to get along without mushrooms this winter bravo dobrovino fellow much obliged fine fellows they are they have helped us out on another occasion he said today mother gave an order to catch some carps in the pond you ought to see them some three feet long it looks as if we were going to live on carp the whole week sometimes he was worried the cucumbers failed completely this season there is not a good one among them all crooked and spotty they're just good enough to be sent to the servants quarters we shall have to use last year's he did not approve of arina petrovna's management goodness what heaps of provisions she allows to rot just now she's having cured meat pickles fish and what not hold to the servants quarters is that what you call good business is that the right way of doing things i'd like to know 
there are lots of fresh provisions but she will not touch them until the old rot is eaten up the confidence entertained by arina petrovna that it would be easy to induce simple simon to sign any paper proved wholly justified not only did he not object to signing all the papers that his mother sent him but the same evening he even boasted about it to the village clerk well brother to-day i have been doing nothing but signing papers i have renounced all my rights of inheritance i am cleaned out not a cent to my name and none coming i have set the old woman at ease he parted with his brothers peaceably and was in raptures over his big supply of tobacco of course he couldn't help calling porfisha bloodsucker and yudushka but the disparaging terms were drowned in a deluge of incoherent meaningless chatter in taking leave the brothers became liberal and even gave him money porfiry vladimirych accompanied his gift with the following speech this money will be handy in case you need oil for the icon lamp or if you want to set up a candle in the church that's how it is brother be good and gentle and our dear mother will be satisfied you will have your comforts and all of us will be merry and happy our mother is a kindly soul you know there is no denying that she is kindly agreed stepan vladimirych only she feeds me on rotten pickled meat whose fault is that who treated mother's blessing with disrespect it is your own fault that you lost your estate what a nice little estate it was if you only knew how to behave yourself and live modestly you would now be eating beef and veal and even ordering sauce with them you would have plenty of everything potatoes cabbage peas am i not right brother had arina petrovna heard this harangue it would have made her impatient and she would have let the orator know that it did but simple simon was fortunate that his mind could not as it were retain other people's words and not a syllable of yudushka's speech reached its destination so stepan vladimirych parted with his brothers amicably and there was some vanity in his showing yakov the village clerk two twenty-five rouble notes that had been left in his hands after the brothers had departed this will last me a long time he said we've got tobacco we're well provided with tea and sugar nothing is missing but vodka however should we want vodka we'll get vodka too nevertheless i will restrain myself for a little while yet i am too busy now i have to keep an eye on the cellars weaken your watch for a single instant and everything will be pillaged she saw me brother she saw me the hag once when i was gliding by along the kitchen wall she stood at the window looking at me and i bet she thought well well so that's why i miss so many cucumbers then came october it began to rain the road turned black into an impassable stream of mud stepan vladimirych could not go out because his only garments were his father's old dressing-gown and worn slippers he sat at his window watching the humble tiny village drowned in mud there in the grey autumn mist men were moving about briskly looking like black dots the heavy summer work was still in full swing but now its setting was no longer the jubilant sun-flooded hues of summer but the endless autumn twilight the corn kilns emitted clouds of smoke far into the night the melancholy clatter of the flails resounded in the air thrashing was also going on in the manorial barns and in the office they said it would hardly be possible to get through with the whole mass of grain before shrovetide everything looked gloomy and drowsy everything spoke of oppressiveness 
the doors of the counting-house were no longer ajar and inside the air was filled with a bluish fog rising from the wet fur cloaks it is difficult to say what impression the spectacle of a toilsome rural autumn made on stepan's mind and whether he was at all aware of the labours going on in the incessant rain out in the boggy fields one thing is certain that the drab tearful autumn sky oppressed him it seemed to hang close down over his head and threatened to drown him in a deluge of mud all he had to do was to look out through the window and watch the heavy masses of clouds from the dawn on they covered the heavens hanging motionless as if spellbound even after several hours they were still in the same place without the slightest apparent change in hue or outline in the morning one cloud heavy and black had a ragged shape resembling a priest in a cassock with outstretched arms it was clearly outlined on the pallid background of the upper clouds and at noon it still had the identically same form the right hand it is true had become shorter and the left was stretched out in an ugly fashion and was sending down such a flood of rain that against the dark background of the sky there formed a streak still darker almost black another huge shaggy lump of a cloud a little farther up hung over the village threatening to smother it you would think hours later it was still hanging in the same place the same shaggy monster with outstretched paws as though ready to pounce upon the earth clouds clouds nothing but clouds around five o'clock a change took place darkness gradually enveloped heaven and earth and soon the clouds disappeared completely vanishing beneath a black shroud they were the first to go next followed the forest and the village then the church the chapel the hamlet the orchard and finally the manor-house several yards away it has already become quite dark in the room and there is no light so what can one do but pace up and down a morbid languor seizes stepan's brain his entire body despite its idleness is filled with an incomprehensible indescribable feeling of fatigue just one thought moves in him and sucks at him the grave the grave the grave those black dots which have recently been moving busily on the dark background of the boggy soil and near the village barns are not oppressed by that thought they will not perish under the burden of despondency and weariness if they do not challenge the sky directly at least they struggle build make enclosures repair their houses stepan did not question whether all this bustle was worth the while but he was aware that even the nameless dots were incomparably superior to him that he couldn't even struggle that he had nothing to build nothing to repair he spent the evenings in the counting-house because arina petrovna refused to supply him with candles several times through the bailiff he asked for boots and a fur coat and was invariably told that boots were not kept in store for him but that he would be given a pair of felt shoes as soon as the cold spells arrived evidently arina petrovna intended to fulfil her programme literally that was to sustain her son in such a manner as barely to keep him from starvation at first he abused his mother but then behaved as though he had forgotten all about her even the light of the candles in the counting-room annoyed him and he began to lock himself in his room and remain all alone in the darkness there was just a single refuge left 
one that he still dreaded but that attracted him irresistibly to get drunk and forget deeply irrevocably to plunge into the sea of oblivion and never emerge again everything drove him to it the debauchery of the past the enforced idleness of the present his ailing body with the torturing cough the unbearable asthma and the constantly increasing pains in his heart at last the hour came you must fetch me a bottle of vodka for tonight he said once to the village clerk in a voice boding little good that one bottle of vodka was followed by a long succession of other bottles after that he got drunk every night at nine o'clock when the light in the counting-house had been put out and the servants had retired to their quarters he placed a bottle of vodka and a slice of rye bread thickly strewn over with salt on the table he did not attack the liquor at once but approached it stealthily as it were everybody on the place was fast asleep the mice scudded behind the wallpaper and the clock in the counting-house ticked ominously stepan threw off his dressing-gown and began to stride back and forth in the overheated room with nothing but a shirt on his back at times he stopped went over to the table searched for the bottle in the darkness then resumed his restless pacing the first tumblers he emptied in a sort of passion voluptuously swallowing down the burning liquid but little by little his heart began to beat faster the blood mounted to his head and he mumbled incoherently his feeble imagination tried to create images his blunted memory attempted to pierce the mists of the past but the images were broken and meaningless and the past remained dim and formless there was no recollection either bitter or sweet as though an impervious wall separated the past from the present he was completely filled by the present which seemed like a prison cell in which he would be locked up for eternity without consciousness of time or space his mind took in nothing but the room the stove the three windows in the front wall the squeaking wooden bed with its mattress worn thin and the table with the bottle as the contents of the bottle decreased and his head grew hotter and hotter even this boresome sense of the present gradually faded his mumblings to which at first there had been a bit of form now lost all meaning his pupils dilated in the attempt to pierce the engulfing darkness finally the darkness itself vanished and its place was taken by a phosphorescent sheen it was an endless void with not a color or a sound but radiant with sinister splendor the void followed him in his wanderings trod on his heels at every step there were no walls no windows nothing but this endless vacant splendor dread fell on him coupled with an irresistible impulse to annihilate even the void a few more efforts and his goal was reached his stumbling legs carried a benumbed body his chest gave forth not a murmur but an inarticulate cry his very existence seemingly ceased a strange stupor took possession of him in which conscious life had no part which plumbed the depths of a life independent of and beyond the boundaries of normal existence groans burst from his chest without in the least disturbing his sleep his organic disease continued its destructive work without apparently causing him any physical pain he rose early in the morning filled with agonizing longing disgust and hatred it was an inarticulate hatred without either cause or definite object 
his bloodshot eyes rolled restlessly his limbs trembled his heart worked with sickening irregularity now stopping altogether now hammering with such violence that his hand involuntarily clutched at his breast not a thought not a desire objects of immediate perception filled his mind so completely that it was closed to other impressions he filled his pipe and lighted it it dropped from his nerveless fingers his tongue mumbled something but seemingly by force of habit only he sat in silence and stared at one point he felt an intense craving to raise the temperature of his body so that he would feel the presence of life for at least a short while but he had no way of getting vodka in the daytime he had to wait for night to attain those blissful moments when the ground vanished from under his feet and the four odious prison walls were replaced by a shoreless shining void arina petrovna had not the slightest idea of how simple simon spent his time the casual glimmer of feeling which had appeared for a moment during the conversation with the bloodsucker vanished so precipitately that she was unconscious of its having ever appeared it was not a premeditated course of action on her part but sheer oblivion she completely forgot that in the counting-house in close proximity to her there lived a human being bound to her by ties of blood who perhaps was pining away in the yearning for life once having cut out a certain channel in life and filling it almost mechanically with the same things she thought others ought to do likewise it never occurring to her that the very character of the things life holds vary among people according to a multitude of circumstances in different combinations and that these things may be dear to some herself among these some while they are an abomination and a tyranny to others therefore when the bailiff repeatedly reported that something was the matter with stepan vladimirych the words slipped by her ears leaving no impression on her mind indeed she scarcely ever even replied and when she did then only with a stereotyped reply oh well he'll be all right i bet he'll outlive you and me nothing is the matter with the shambling colt coughing you say well some people cough thirty years on end and they don't feel it nevertheless one morning when they came and told her that stepan vladimirych had disappeared during the night she was aroused immediately she sent out all the available men in search of him and herself started an investigation beginning with the room in which stepan had lived the first thing that struck her was a bottle standing on the table with a bit of vodka in it what's this she asked pretending not to understand why i, I guess the young man indulged stammered the bailiff who supplied she began flaring up but she restrained herself and continued her investigation hiding her rage the room was so filthy that even she who did not know and did not recognize any demands of comfort began to feel awkward the ceiling was smutty the wallpaper in many places was hanging in tatters the window-sills were black with a thick layer of tobacco ashes pillows were lying about on the floor beslimed with viscous mud on the bed lay a crumpled sheet grey with accumulated dirt in one window the winter frame had been taken or rather torn out and the window itself was left half open apparently it was through this opening that simple simon had disappeared arina petrovna instinctively looked out on the road and became more frightened it was already the first of november but the autumn that year had lasted long and the cold spells had not yet arrived both the road and the field were one black sea of mud 
how had he got away where had he gone to here it occurred to her that he had nothing on but a dressing-gown and a slipper the other slipper had been found under the window and the night before it had been pouring ceaselessly it's a long long time since i've been here she said inhaling instead of air a foul mixture of vodka tobacco and sheepskin evaporations all day long while the servants were searching the forest she stood at the window staring dully out upon the naked fields unrolled before her eyes so much ado on account of simple simon it seemed like a preposterous dream she had said he ought to have been shipped off to the vologda village no that cursed yudushka had wheedled leave him here dearest mother golovliovo now handle him if you please yudushka i wish he had lived there out of my sight as he pleased christ be with him arina petrovna mused but i did my part if he wasted one good thing well i would throw him another if he'd have wasted the other two well what could i do then even god can't fill a bottomless belly everything would have been peaceful and quiet here but now who knows what he has been up to go look in the forest and whistle for him it would be good if he were brought home alive but with drunken eyes one is liable to run into a noose take a rope tie it to a branch put it round his neck and no more stiopka his mother denied herself sleep and food and he has invented a new style hanging himself there would be some excuse for him if he had had it hard here but goodness what did he have to do but walk about in his room all day and eat and drink another son would not have known how to thank his mother enough and how does this precious son repay his mother goes and hangs himself the idea arina petrovna's surmises about simple simon's violent death were not justified toward evening he was brought back in a peasant wagon still alive he was in a semi-conscious state all bruised and cut his face blue and swollen he had been found at the dubrovino estate twenty miles away the returned fugitive slept straight through the next twenty-four hours when he awoke he stumbled to his feet and began to pace up and down the room as was his habit but he did not touch the pipe and made no reply to the questions he was asked arina petrovna's heart softened so that on the spur of the moment she all but had him transferred to the manor-house then she quieted down and left him in the counting-house but gave orders for the room to be scoured and tidied up the bed linen changed curtains hung and so on the following evening when told that stepan vladimirych was awake she had him brought to the house for tea and found it possible in talking to him to inject kindliness into her voice why did you go away from your mother she began do you know you caused her great anxiety it's good the news did not reach papa it would have been a terrible shock to the poor sick man but stepan seemed altogether indifferent to his mother's kindly words he kept staring at the candle with his glassy eyes as if watching the snuff forming on the wick my my aren't you a foolish boy continued arina petrovna growing kinder and kinder just think what rumours will be spread about your mother because of you there are enough people who envy her what will they not say about her they will say she did not give you food or clothes my my what a foolish boy you are there was the same silence and the same motionless staring glance was your stay at mother's so bad thank god you don't go hungry or naked what else do you want if you are lonesome don't fret this is nothing but a village my boy 
We have no entertainments or halls. We sit in our nooks and we hardly know how to while away the time. I myself would be glad to dance now and then or sing a song, but you look out upon the road and you lose the desire to go even to church in such weather. Arina Petrovna paused, hoping that Simple Simon would give utterance to at least some sounds, but he was as dumb as a stone. She was beginning to work up a temper, but restrained herself. And if you were discontented with anything, if perhaps you lacked food or linen, could you not explain it frankly to your mother? Could you not say, Mamma, darling, won't you have some liver or curd cakes prepared for me? Do you think your mother would have refused you? Or if you wanted a drop of vodka, goodness, I wouldn't have begrudged you a glass or two. To think of it, you were not ashamed to beg from a serf, while it was difficult for you to say a word to your own mother. But her flattering words were of no avail. Simple Simon remained impervious to either emotion. Arina Petrovna had hoped he would kiss her hand, or repentance. In fact, he seemed to have heard nothing. From that time on, he never spoke a single word. All day long he walked up and down his room, his brows knit and his lips moving, apparently never growing tired. At times he halted as if wishing to say something, but he could not find the words. He had not lost the capacity for thinking, but impressions left so slight a trace on his brain that he could not hold them for any appreciable length of time. Consequently, his failure to find the necessary words did not even make him impatient. Arina Petrovna, for her part, thought he would surely set the house on fire. He does not say a word all day long, she repeated. Still, he must be thinking of something, the blockhead. I am sure he'll set the house on fire one of these days. But the blockhead did not think of anything at all. He was deeply immersed in absolute darkness, in which there was no room either for reality or the illusory world of imagination. His brain did work, but in a void, disconnected from either the past, the present, or the future. It was as though he was completely wrapped up in a black cloud, and all he did was to scan it to watch its imaginary fluctuations, and, at times, to make a feeble attempt at resisting its sinister sway. The whole physical and spiritual world dwindled down to that enigmatic cloud. In December of the same year, Porfiry Vladimirych received the following letter from his mother. Yesterday morning God visited us with a new ordeal. My son and your brother Stepan breathed his last. The very evening before he had been quite well and even took his supper, but in the morning he was found dead in bed. Such is the brevity of this earthly life, and what is most grievous to a mother's heart is that he left this world of vanity for the realm of the unknown without the last communion. May this be a warning to us all. He who sets at naught the ties of kinship must always await such an end. Failures in this life, untimely death, and everlasting torments in the life to come. All these evils spring from the one source. For, however learned and exalted we may be, if we do not honor our parents, our learning and eminence will be turned into nothingness. Such are the precepts which every one inhabiting this world must commit to his mind. Besides, slaves should revere their masters. Notwithstanding this, all honors were duly given to him who had departed into life eternal, as becomes my son. The pall was ordered from Moscow, and the burial ceremonies were solemnly presided over by the Father Archimandrite. And according to the Christian custom, I am having memorial services performed daily. 
i mourn the loss of my son but i do not complain nor do i advise you my children to do so for who knows we may be mourning and complaining here while his soul may be rejoicing in heaven end of book one recording by expatriate in bangor maine